Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Spark of Bean podcast. My name is Keith Welsh. Uh, this is another journal episode. Uh, this might sound a little different. I'm driving in a different area than normal, um, but uh, whatever. So I wanted to do an episode about um, those two posts I did um, having to do with my parents' home. Uh, just a, I guess some background. Um, if you look at uh, the state of Florida, there's that lake in the middle of it, Lake Okeechobee. There's Everglades around it. There's Everglades, the bottom. There's Everglades everywhere. Wetlands, whatever you want to call it. Um, when I was 15, my dad had just had it with Palm Beach County and moved. He, he purchased land out on Lake Okeechobee. Like on, so there's, you have the lake and there's a rim canal, they call it, that goes around it. Because the lake used to be much larger. Uh, and because they ended up planting sugarcane and, and had homes and stuff around it, they put a dike around the a levee. God, don't. But it's called a dike and it goes around the lake and it kind of holds the lake there. And it's, it's really tall and it's like a mound of dirt that goes around it. The top of it's paved. So that's when I go out there and run, I run the levee. Um, anyway, he, I was 15, he'd had it with Palm Beach County. So he bought, it was either five or seven acres. I feel like it was seven and they sold some of it off. I don't know exactly how it, whatever. Anyway, my dad had the Seminoles build him a chicky out there, which is four posts and a palm frond roof. And he put a raised floor in it. It was pretty big. He put a raised floor in it. And then he um, uh, had like a half wall around it, screened it in. He had plastic that would come down when the weather got rough and he had a gas stove and that's just where he lived. And he lived there for four years. Um, my parents didn't divorce. He didn't just go there on the weekends. My dad lived out there um, on this plot of land. And it was, you know, it's just, it's where he was himself. My dad in any other environment just looked weird and out of place. But he did that. My mom obviously didn't go with him. She's like, I'm not a fucking swamp person. I'm not going to, my mom was a country lady, but she wouldn't try to live in the fucking woods. Right. So my dad did that. And if my mom and I wanted to see him, we had to go out to the lake to see my dad. And it was like that for four years until he built this giant house. Um, it's a big house on stilts, really cool. And my parents lived out there for 23 years. Um, 
Well, my mom lived there 23 years. I guess, I don't know, my dad had uh, died and she was still there for about, I want to say 10 years by herself. I mean, my aunt lived with her, but um, if you cycle, if you like ride a bike, like good on you, you're, you're better than me, but you just obey the, the fucking rules. Like you guys get hurt on bicycles cause you ignore the fucking rules. Jesus. Um, so they lived out there and, um, they, it was a pretty big house. If you look at some of those pictures, uh, I'm also going to run into by a city truck. But if you look at those pictures, you'll see um, there's uh, those two houses. The big one on the left is my parents' home. It was originally brown. And then the smaller one on the right is one that I actually lived in for one year that belonged to my aunt. Uh, anyway, so they lived out there. And so, so the uh, holidays, there's a lot of holidays out there. Um, New Year's Day was always, uh, I am sitting in front of just an absolute shit show that's about to happen. And um, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one without, oh my God, Jesus Christ. Yep, there you go. <laughs> I'm sure you heard that. Uh, stupid games, stupid prizes. So anyway, uh, New Year's Day, there was always like a family get together, but, but it was, uh, like all of my dad's friends, everyone that they ever knew would go out there and we did all kinds of holidays out there, uh, uh Christmas and Thanksgiving and anyway, uh, it was really cool. And also it was where I would go, um, that was like home base for me, right? I lived in Gainesville for 15 years and whatever was going on, I'm about to get rear-ended by a guy on a motorcycle because he can't use his... I regret driving <laughs> this direction so much. Um, this is just fucking... It's buffoonery. I've never used that word, but this is buffoonery. Um, anyway. <laughs> so... Uh, oh, that was dicey. Anyway, um, but it was home base, right? It's it, the, that place meant a lot to me. And what got me thinking about that was I was talking to someone about how land holds memories. Like when you hear about like paranormal activity and, and things like that, there's, it's always, there's like quartz in the ground and, all, and you can make radios out of quartz. And if you read any of John Keel's research, a lot of this, his thing has to do with electromagnetism and it's radio signals. I'm not going to get into it, but if you want to understand a little bit about that, start with John Keel's Mothman prophecies, not Richard Gere. Uh, Mothman prophecies, read Operation Trojan Horse and then read the eighth tower in that order and uh, it'll make sense. Um, but we're talking about that, and it's about land holding memories because she had experienced some, you know, spooky things in in these mountains. And I was like, yeah, I think those mountains are known for having a lot of quartz deposits. And then I started thinking, I don't know how I got there; it doesn't matter. But I was like, man, land holds memories. 
and it's it's again the mind is reminding you how to feel and, and there's the symbols and all this stuff but I would go out to Lake Okeechobee to go for a run and I would run the levee to my parents home and that was like it, it all told it's like almost five miles you can turn it into a five mile run um the other day when I had first posted that I was like 4.70 um but it's uh it's like pilgrimage for me since my mom doesn't live there anymore even after she had moved I would still go out there and run or walk I put the weight vest on and walk out there no I can't just do anything normal it's gotta be either <laughs> painful or uncomfortable um but uh yeah, I went out there and I was standing there and the thought that I always had was like, it's so weird that like, I can't go there, right? Like I can't go to that place. A lot of you have childhood homes and you've driven past them or, or something, you've seen them or something. And it's a weird thought. It's like, man, like, like my dad built that house. He designed that house and he built that house. And that was home for so many people. Um, so many people over the years. There's people just driving through Florida that knew they could always stop there if they could find it. And my mom and dad would have a bed for them. Um, you could always count on Gene and Keith being there. Uh, and they would always welcome you. And, as, and me, obviously, you know, I always knew that I had a home with my parents at, at home and um, you know time goes by and things change but standing on that levee and looking at it and the property looks great everything looks awesome they, they really didn't they improved it in a lot of ways uh, my cousin doesn't seem to think so but uh, I, I think it looks nice and um it's weird because that was, that place was, is my dad and my mom, more so my dad, but that is them there. It's, that's them. It, it's, oh, it's so hard to explain it. I didn't say it that way. Like that, that's them. And I can't go there. Right. And it's very strange. It's a, it's a weird feeling because everyone, that was home for everybody. Well, you know, I, I'd go out there sometimes and his best friend who ended up buying his land from, I think, my uncle who had bought the land next to my parents. I don't know how the fuck that worked. Anyway, Shorty was his name. When my dad lived in his chicky, Shorty. So a cypress head is just a giant clumping of trees, mostly cypress. So they, they always called them cypress heads. Well, the head, like if you went in where Shorty bought his land, there was like a pathway in the trees that you could barely see. And it led back to his hut that he lived in. So my dad and his friend Shorty, who is showcased in the second post, lived in little huts in these fucking trees and 
Shorty eventually met a woman named Sarah Lou, and uh, Sarah Lou domesticated Shorty and they built a house, right? It's like how my mom was always trying to domesticate my father. Um, and so I feel like at some point, <laughs> anyway, so one day I was out there running and I saw Shorty and he was uh, getting on his airboat and he was taking someone for a ride. And I was like, fuck, man. I, first of all, I just missed him a lot. And sometimes it's like you, you, you leave an area or people and you don't know how to reconnect them because like for me, I felt like I, I just did it so abruptly. I don't know. But Thanksgiving, I see um, this man that's my cousin's uncle and his name is Motorcycle Bob. And I saw Motorcycle Bob and my, my life has been filled with a lot of nicknames, Shorty, Motorcycle Bob, uh, Basketball Head, uh, Bird. It's a lot of people. My nickname's Kit. So, um, Bob was telling me about Shorty. I was like, man, like, how's he doing? Cause I thought for sure Shorty was dead or close to it or something. Sarah Lou incidentally told me, uh, in August they're having his 80th birthday. That guy in this picture is 80 years old. He's 80. He does not look 80. He does not sound 80. He does not act 80. He's just Shorty. He's timeless. Um, I've known Shorty since I was a little boy. I remember Shorty used to live in the back of a truck called the Goat Wagon. And that is real. So I've also been to Shorty's underground moonshine still in, in, in North Georgia. So I've um, seen some things. It's kind of the way I was brought up. But Shorty, um, anyway, he. so I said I asked Bob for his number. I was like, give me his number. I got I to gotta go. He was like, oh, he'd love to see you. I had the number and all the time I would think you should reach out. You should, and I just don't, you know how it is. You just don't reach out to people. I don't know what it is or why, but we just don't. And, um, I was talking to somebody that's immensely important to me and she just has a way of saying things. And she said it in a way that essentially was like, call him, you know, and I did. And so the next day I called him and, uh, I, I talked to him and I was like, Hey, I'd like to come see you today. And so I did. And he was, it was wild. I said who it was. He like paused. I was like, it's Kit. He's like, Kit. And, uh, he talks like this and he yells. Um, and so I went out there to see him. And it was wild. He said he hadn't seen me in a coon's age. And I got to meet his little dog, Humper. And they named him Humper because when he was a little puppy, he kept humping Sarah Lou's leg. So they just decided to call him Humper. And uh, I'm sitting there uh, just reconnecting with the two of them. They're just such delightful, fun hilarious, sweet people. And Sarah goes, uh, you want, cause I was, I was like, Hey, like did, did the, cause this old couple bought my mom's house and I met the lady and she was fucking weird. Shorty said she was a witch, but <laughs> I looked over and I saw like different 
different people kind of. I saw this man over there kind of work. I was like, that's different. And I said, did somebody else buy the house? And he said, yeah, it's a younger couple. He's probably 50 and she's, you know, about my age, 46. I'm like, oh man, that's great. And and they're kind of laughing like, yeah, he's from, you know, he's from Detroit. He doesn't really know anything about like living out here. And, you know, Shorty's had to, you know, teach him a few things. And, you know, he obviously doesn't know how to fish or anything like that. But she's a little more competent, I guess. Um, They got chickens and dogs and shit like that. and then Sarah goes, do you want to see, we're talking the inside of the house. She goes, would you like to see the inside of your mom's house? And I said, sure. Why don't you send me the pictures? And she goes, oh no, she said we can just come on over. And I'm like, I can't go into these, fuck. I, I, it, to me, it was so weird to just go in these people's home. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine. I don't, you know, when I think about it, I guess it would be interesting to meet the people that built that, especially in, in, in the house, they, to them, it's not just another house. It's like, they're doing a lot to it. They want to be there for a long time. It's a, it's one of those forever homes. You don't move out into the middle of nowhere like that. And like, like, it's like a casual investment property. Like it's not an investment property. No one's going to fucking invest in it, you know? Um, so they're out. They love it. And I guess it was, now, now that I'm thinking about it and saying it out loud, it, it may have been kind of cool for them to talk to me and, and get some of the stories and the, the history of some of the things and why they are the way they are out there. I told them about meat killing 2,000 uh, Florida brown bats uh, in the roof, um, which is an endangered or protected thing, but... I don't know, man. There was a guy. That is a long story, but yeah, I sealed them up in there because ah, I couldn't fucking tried to wait for them all to leave. It was weird. It's a whole other story. Um, anyway, so Sarah goes, "Hey, you know they 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 said come on over." I'm like, "Oh Jesus Christ!" So like, I need to go to the bathroom first. So I go in the bathroom, and I'm not kidding you. Like, I felt like I felt this weird. Like, I wanted to cry. Like. That house, man, that place, it holds a record, you know, that longitude and latitude, that place is important to me. And it was this sadness. It was elation on some level, you know, because I was sitting there looking in the mirror, like trying to, you know, like, what was I feeling? Why was I feeling it? You know? God forbid I just have a feeling without dissecting it. Um, so I, uh, you know, kind of pull together and I go out there and we walk over and cross the little gate into their property. I go up the stairs and this, these, this is the staircase that, you know, my, I watched my mom with her bad knee go up and down and stop halfway and you know and that was my mom's thing was these fucking stairs she would never that her her brother rather my uncle put in a absolute redneck elevator on the other side of the house that she just wouldn't use it it's like essentially a lift it's not really an elevator um and she just you know would always use these stairs like if you don't use it you lose it you know and 
you know, which is why I'm going to go for a run after this. And, you know, and, and watching my dad creep up those stairs when he was dying. And, and th- that's the staircase that they brought my dad down when he died. Like, it, th- these things might, I don't know, it feels weird to, like, like almost insignificant to say it. You know, like, oh, you could find meaning in all this. But, and, but this is what it means to me. That's what that staircase alone means to me. I watched them wrap my dad in a sheet and carry him down those stairs. It's those stairs are, are iconic to me. You know, that lift is where I, I'd sit in that little cage with my dog Jessie because she couldn't use the stairs because she was so old. And I'd go up and I'd take her up, you know, the lift, you know. <laughs> And every time I'd be like, oh, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall, I'm going to die. Okay, it's not going to be a big deal. <laughs> you know, you're just going to get injured. It's going to be okay. So those stairs, going up the stairs was wild. And then there I am at the door that I've gone through hundreds of times. In this house when, you know, I was divorced, hurting, unhappy, depressed, whatever it was, I could go home. I could go home and I could go through that door and I could walk into that house, plop down in a recliner and say nothing. And my mom would call me sugar and just, that was it. You know, that's the spot. And uh, going into that door was a big deal hadn't been in it in so long you know my mom lived I guess out of that house like in town so to speak for six years before she died um so uh I go in and it's just they said they're like oh it's changed so much but like I it hadn't really changed colors were different, you know, the one lady had gotten rid of the island in the middle of the kitchen, or made it smaller, which is a strange choice, right, like, you want the island bigger, which I thought was really fucking weird, um, <laughs> you want a big island in the middle of the kitchen, like, why the fuck would you make it smaller, so, she, I don't know, she made it smaller, um, and the lady was talking about making it bigger, I was like, well, it used to be bigger, I don't know what that crazy bitch did, but, um, so they're showing me around and I'm kind of telling them funny stories about, you know, why this door was here and why there was a closet there. Cause to be, there are a lot of funny stories as to why everything was built the way it was. We went up into the crow's nest, me and the gentleman, his name's Joseph. He took me up there and I was like, bro, I lived up here for 30 days once, you know? And he's like, holy shit. I was like, yeah, this is where I'd stay when I come to visit especially when my aunt had moved in with my mom after my dad died I you know, the crow's nest um, and talked about moving the ACs I had a little like wall unit kind of thing and for whatever reason they put it on the ground so it just blasted the floor with cold air <laughs> and the guy Joseph was so funny he goes and then I realized that hot air rises and that's why it was so hot so I thought we should put the wall unit up higher and I thought good Joseph that's right. I don't know why it was on the floor. So, yeah. Um, and then we go downstairs. 
And he goes, oh, let me show you the master bedroom. And this is the room my dad died in. And there isn't a day that I went in that room and didn't think of that after he had died. And, you know, my mom like still lived in that room. And I'd go in there and I'd always think of it. This is the bedroom that he died. This is the bedroom that, you know, I watched him go through all of this. This is the the bedroom. This is the bathroom where, like, you know, you do hard shit. <laughs> no pun intended. With your dad who's dying. This is where everybody gets intimately familiar and reacquaints themselves. You know? It's the kind of thing you have to do when your parents are dying. My family was very much like, you know, we don't hire any nurses, we do it ourselves. It's like, oh, even at the cost of everybody's sanity, we're just gonna do it anyway. Um, and it's hard, and I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad I went through it. Um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh, wasn't it traumatic? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it fucked with me. It all fucked with me. But, you know, what are we doing here if not to be fucked with? So, it just made me, um, I felt like, and this is a weird thing, but I felt like my mom and dad were there. And I felt like they were, like, with me, looking at it through my eyes. And, like, I was taking them there to see it. Say, hey, look what they did. You know? Like, this is how they've changed it. You know, this is how they changed their... The house that you built. You know? And, um... Yeah, the living room. Sat there. That's where my dad said, Well, I guess we'll find out what all this shit's about while he was dying you know and that's where my mom and I would sit when I'd come home and my dad was real bad you know and she'd hold it down until I walked through the door and the second I walked through the door she'd cry and she'd hug me because I was the only person she would cry in front of she wouldn't cry in front of my dad she wouldn't cry in front of my aunt she'd wait for me and I'd hold her and she'd cry and then she would say, get to work. You know, take care of your dad. She needs a break. Man. You know, and... Man, that's where, you know... I don't know, that's just a special place. You know, and I've tried to spiritual bypassing to not feel a lot of this stuff. But, you know... It only works for so long, you know? only works for so long before you have to face it, look at it. doesn't matter to me. I'm unattached. I mean, it's not really them. It's just the mind. Meh. On one hand, yes. On the other hand, I mean, yes, it, it is the mind. And you have to contend with it. And you have to deal with a broken heart. And you have to do all this stuff. And you got to go through all of it. Um, but that was a really wonderful experience. I have Sarah and Shorty's phone number now. And I'm going to stay in touch. Um, I'm going to reach out to them when I go out there for a run. You know, probably 
obviously go see them after I run, because if I go see them before I run, I'll never run. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed those pictures. I know some of that stuff isn't the kind of thing you see every day. You know, Humper and his little sidecar on the airboats. Those are two different sidecars on two different airboats. Shorty has two airboats, because, you know, you need two airboats. <laughs> One, he likes the one where Humper sits next to him because that way he can pet him. But I want you to notice there's little fans on the sidecars or the little baskets so that Humper can stay cool. And there's little umbrella holders, these little umbrellas that he puts in there so that Humper can sit in the shade while he fishes. <laughs> it's the cutest thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, and he loves that dog so much. It's wild. It is so trippy. Um, yeah. Men tend to soften in their old age. They tend to get more loving. Yeah. You, you, you've, at a certain age, it's like you've proved everything to any, everybody. I don't need to you know, convince you I'm a badass anymore. Yeah. He doesn't need to convince anybody that he's tough as shit. That is one of the toughest little fuckers. Genius builder, too. Like, wild. Like, he, you know, built those little bog like welds them and all that kind of shit oh and there's also you can't tell but there's plexiglass windshield around it it's pretty great it's pretty wonderful it's all very wonderful um but I think that's it that's all I've got um yeah I I hope that this was interesting I don't know how helpful it was <laughs> You know, I hope it was an interesting uh, thing for you to hear about. Might release this. Um, well, I mean, it's Wednesday, so I might as well maybe I'll put it out a day early. I might have to worry about recording something tomorrow, or I'll just schedule it to to go up Friday. Um, you'll notice that uh, there are now ads, and. Um, that's because there's enough weekly downloads and thank you for that um, you know hopefully I can start making money and not have to uh, be so beholden to an, an insurance system that is designed for you not to receive the help that you need <laughs> maybe I could operate outside of the insurance system and great um, meaning that I wouldn't have to work at a uh, fucking location <laughs> anyway um, I hope this was good for you I hope you enjoyed it you know always reach out some of you have and um, good on you um We've had some helpful conversations over the phone. Um, someone reached out yesterday. Yeah, good, 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 good. Um, yeah, this is um, this is an effort to uh, help to be helpful. You know, um, we don't live in a vacuum. We don't live alone. Though we are alone, only one having this experience, but there's still that piece of me that wants connection, 
I'm assuming you also have that. I don't know what that's about, you know? Um, maybe to find out that other people feel the same way and that's helpful on some level. Anyway, um, if you want to help support this, um, yeah, have your friends like, subscribe, pass it on. If you haven't liked it and subscribed it to it, go for it, please. Um, I haven't looked any re- at any reviews. I wonder how many stars I have. I've never looked. I should probably check. Um, also, if you hear any weird ads for strange things, let me know. I did my best to try to like make sure it wouldn't be anything too unsavory. <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Um, we're old friends. Don't forget that. We've been doing this a very, very, very long time. I know you and I love you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.